Friday, May 7th, Spencer Speak Sports, hosted by me, Spencer Swoboda. And I am just realizing that I am super busy. With that being said, I'm going to move on to what I want to talk about for this Friday episode. And the first one is Albert Pujols. And yeah, he, he got designated for assignment. He's what, 41 years old now. And if you're unfamiliar with Albert Pujols, he's fifth all-time in home runs, second all-time in runs batted in, 13th all-time in hits. And it's basically a, a thing to where he's on the last year of his 10-year $240 million contract that he signed with the Angels back, yeah, basically nine, 10 years ago. And now he's basically kind of, I'm not going to say burnt out, but he's not in a position to be where he wants to be as a everyday starter in the lineup. He's just not there anymore. And for, and he doesn't want to be on the bench. The organization doesn't want him starting. They want to make room for younger players at this point and, and more productive players, honestly. So basically we're on the path of seeing Pujols' career come to an end. I mean, he's designated for assignment, but is he likely going to play on these, this lower level team, uh, I, I doubt it. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to see a retirement soon. I don't think we've seen it already. I don't think he's formally retired. So, but anyway, that's, that's going to happen uh, sooner rather than later, but yeah, 100% going to be a hall of famer. And, uh, yeah, he has like what, 660 something home runs. Or something like so, yeah, remarkable. Like I said, fifth all time. Um, so yeah, one of the better power hitters ever. And I guess to to kind of extend this conversation of uh, with Albert Pujols and stuff is to basically project who's going to be the next Albert Pujols to where a phenomenal player in his prime, but then is is going to fall off and and not have good production. And I think. You're kind of seeing it already with Detroit Tigers, I guess first baseman DH, uh, even third baseman. I don't know what exactly he he plays or does uh, mostly now. But Miguel Cabrera of the Tigers, and this guy's a, I think he's a former AL MVP, maybe even NL MVP, a ton of all-star game appearances. But like this year, he's batting, I think it's like point, Oh nine eight, like it's it's ridiculously bad. He's had a ton of multiple strikeout games. It's I would say it's by far one of the worst slumps in his career. So he's thirty eight. He has a it's the same kind of similar contract like Albert Pujols to where he's it's just like obviously you know you're gonna get the good first years of the contract, but then it's just gonna absolutely fall off towards the back end, and you're just hoping (laughs) you're just like hoping you're you're not seeing your money just completely burn um but yeah like had from 2010 to 2016 those seasons so from 27 to 30 age 33 uh that's seven consecutive all-star appearances won the yeah the mvp in 2012 2013 uh this is multiple silver slugger awards obviously to go along with that and then after 2016, he, he pretty much fell off to where, I mean, you had a 38 home run season. Then you go down the 16, 3, 12, 10, and then he only has two this season with five RBIs. So, yeah, 2016 was his last year where he had a home run total over, I mean, you could say over 17, but uh, RBIs, that was the last time it was over 100. 
And uh, I mean, batting averages were were all right after there. I mean, mid to high twos the last the past four seasons. But I mean, this year, like I said, the batting average is just terrible. Uh, it has I mean, if he continues this, then the Tigers are going to have to make a serious decision on whether or whether or not they're going to uh, designate Miguel Cabrera for assignment or not. But um, this really depends on on how they want to uh, utilize the money that they they spent on him with the the big contract that he that he got. So that's yeah. I guess Miguel Cabrera was is going to be the next um, Albert Pujols candidate. I guess that's the best way I can kind of kind of phrase it. So uh, so I don't know. I, hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully he gets out of the slump. But uh, right now it it's it looks like he may stay stay around that area. This is something that I thought was really interesting. I was kind of surprised to see this headline, but uh, no later than the year 2025, I think it's September 1st of 2025, the Hartford Athletics program is going to be going from D1 to Division Three, and it's a move that the Board of Regents says, and this is a quote, a move to Division Three will allow the university to further strengthen the academic, co-curricular, and wellness experience for all students. Uh, so basically, this would save roughly nine point two million a year. And you know, I oh man, it, it just seems like it just seems like a dramatic move. I don't know. I, I just. I, it makes you think the university doubts the uh, potential success of this athletic program. And meanwhile, you just had the Harford men's basketball team, probably one of the biggest revenue generating sports the, the athletic program has. They go and make the NCAA tournament this year. The biggest revenue generating thing the NCAA does. And they <laughs> go figure they play the national championship uh, winning team in Baylor in the first round of this tournament. They lost by like 24, but who cares? Uh, but yeah, they're, they're in a situation to where they go to the NCAA tournament. They make more money for the program. And now just after that, after the basketball program makes the NCAA tournament, they're like, you know what? We're going to go to Division Three and then dominate there or whatever. And, you know, I, oh man, like, it makes you think um, if the, the saving on the 9.2 million is a little overestimating just based on the um, the success that these programs would have because you would think it would they would they would save they would be saving less just because the 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 revenue that the these programs get for their success at the d3 level is probably going to be less so I mean that's that's a value that um, that you would think is kind of uh, a little questionable if that's like the true value of what they would be saving in the grand scheme of things, and I, I just feel like that you know they're once they put in the request or their their intent um, to make this move, this would be I believe January of 2022 is when they would actually sign off on it. You would think, and this is obviously as the hopefully the pandemic starts to subside a little bit, 
you would think there's going to be a little bit of regret behind these signatures of the Harford University Harford Athletics Program. Obviously, I think I think uh, this is this is a kind of a butting of heads with the university, their board of regents, and and the athletic department. And I, I really think there's going to be some regret of making this move. And you know, hopefully it plays pays off for the overall thing of the university. Obviously, you don't want to see that go into the ground, but uh, I think they're they're kind of underestimating the impact of a Division One program, um, especially if you're having an athletic program with success. Like I said, the men's basketball program making the tournament this year that really does benefit um, the program and the conference they're part of as well. I, I saw this piece of news. This was from, uh, I believe, an NFL Network reporter, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't remember the exact name of the guy. But um, Aaron Rodgers' preferred destination apparently is the Denver Broncos. And that makes a lot of sense because his uh, fiance, what's her name? Um, Shalene Woodley. Shalene Woodley, I believe that's her name. Uh, she lives in the Denver area, I think just outside of Denver, Colorado. And obviously that would make sense if if Aaron Rodgers is is thinking of that he wants to be closer to his fiance and and wife during the actual season to where they don't have to make a, a complete move or whatever um and then that also I have to talk about if if it's logical that Aaron Rodgers is going to be in Green Bay and it just doesn't seem like uh, the relationship can be fixed at this point just based on the reporting and then stuff that came out, like you, you think the relationship's pretty much fractured and can't be repaired. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, th I think the chances are slim at this point. So you would think that eventually, I mean, push come the sub here and Rogers is going to eventually get traded or it could just be like an ugly holdout to where we don't see that literally last season's MVP not even playing in this year's NFL season. That would be like kind of a worst case scenario for, I guess, any fan of NFL football. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what you really don't want to see. I mean, I would, I would ideally love to see Aaron Rodgers still play for the Packers. I really don't like him the idea of him playing in Denver, but I mean, I guess it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, but I definitely, I mean, the last thing on the list I want to see is him not playing at all because uh, he's too talented of a player to be just sitting out for the season and holding out just because uh, him and the Packers can't figure shit out pretty much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, if he had to go somewhere else besides Green Bay, Denver seems like a logical choice. Obviously, I would love to see him in, in a New England Patriots uniform, but that just doesn't make sense. They have Cam Newton already as a veteran. They have Mac Jones. Uh, they're hopefully they're the future star quarterback of, of the organization. And then you also got, I mean, Jared Stidham. You could throw his name in there as well. So their quarterback room is pretty full. And I think they would really have to get a bargain of a trade deal to, in order to even consider trading for Aaron Rodgers. Um, like I said, I mean, who who really knows? It's, it's such a star player like that, you, we don't really know what's going to happen and, and what 
type of deal has to go down to make it happen. I always see a ton of first round picks seems likely, maybe some star players in exchange. So it's going to be as the summer moves on, especially after the June 1st deadline to where um, if you release or trade a player, the cap numbers affect teams differently. Um, so basically less than a month now, uh, that's when you can can start to expect um, bigger moves to happen amongst players, say like Aaron Rodgers or Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones. Um, just, yeah, because of the, the salary cap, less money goes against the teams that trade away a player after June 1st. Okay, let's move to basketball. And I'm pretty sure at this point, the MVP conversation is wrapped up. And Nikola Jokic, uh, the Denver Nuggets, it seems like he is going to get the job done currently. I mean, I think odds are around like 2000, minus 2,000. So if you bet 2,000, you would win $100. So net, I mean, um, you would get back $2,100 for your $2,000 bet. And yeah, that at that point, I mean, you have to think he with with those odds that Vegas is putting out, you would have to think that Jokic is going to win this award uh, at this point. And uh, you have Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, uh, Steph, Steph uh, Curry. Those guys may get like I don't know, like the the, <laughs> the one or two votes like thrown in there. I don't think Jokic is going to completely like be like a unanimous mvp uh, i don't think that will be the case but uh yeah i mean there'll be like a, cl- a complement of votes for Embiid, paul curry uh, who else i mean russell westbrook maybe but yeah like i think Jokic is finally getting the respect he deserves and uh, the this loaf of bread of a basketball player <laughs> is averaging tw- uh, yeah he's he's 12th in the league in points per game ninth in rebounds sixth in assist he's first in player efficiency rating he's first in double doubles and then he's second behind russell westbrook in triple doubles so i can't get rid of this itch to to continue talking about russell westbrook and the wizards um, i'll keep it kind of brief but uh like i said the wizards are in a very good spot to get through the play-in tournament and be the eighth seed in the eastern conference likely play the 76ers who are going to be the probably going to be the one seed but i just need to list off a a couple more stats for russell westbrook because obviously i've mentioned the stuff that he's doing with triple doubles is only mass matching guys like oscar robinson or wilt chamberlain and he's the first player to record 50 rebounds and 50 assists over a three-game span in NBA history. So there's the first one. And then Russell Westbrook leads the NBA in rebounds and assists post-All-Star break this season. And he is actually the only player to ever do that. So if he finishes the season leading in rebounds and assists, he'll be the only other player to do that and that other player was Wilt Chamberlain, who did that in 1967-1968 to where he led in both rebounds and assists. And I think that's total, not average, uh, after the All-Star break. So that's that's pretty remarkable um, what Russell Westbrook is doing. Another Wizards, uh, quick Wizards appreciation uh, uh, segment here. So we're less than, I think, every NBA team has 
less than six games to go. And we could be seeing in, in the Eastern Conference, we could be seeing a situation to where it's the Nets and Bucks in the Eastern Conference semifinals because it would be the 2-3 matchup in the Eastern Conference. That would be ridiculous to have Kevin Durant, obviously Kyrie Irving and James Harden as well in the Nets go up against Giannis, who it seems like the Nets have no way of stopping Giannis. It, they just have to match what Giannis outputs uh, with their own <laughs> offense. And so high-scoring, entertaining games. And, I mean, heck, you had what I think it was not the last game these teams play each other, but the, the game before that you had Durant put up 42 and Giannis put up 49. So it's just like ridiculous amounts of scoring going on. It would be a really entertaining series. But obviously I would love – for the Celtics to just f everything up and, and and get involved and and ruin that chance for NBA fans to see that matchup and that would be ideal. So, I mean, it, this these are big last six games for the Celtics. They play Chicago tonight, then they got the Heat on Sunday and Tuesday. Meanwhile, the Celtics and Heat have the same record, and the Celtics I think have the tiebreaker over Miami right now for the sixth seed in the East, which is the last spot. Um, and the, the to avoid the the play in tournament and so yeah those two games are going to be very intriguing on sunday and tuesday then you got cleveland and minnesota so those are two key games that they have to win against weaker opponents who both of them are already eliminated from the playoffs i think and then you got the knicks which could also be a big implication of maybe who has who's in that the four or five matchup in the nba playoffs depending on how boston obviously does against miami so yeah, big last six games for the Celtics. And I mean, just to make life easier, it would you got to go to the four or five spots so you avoid playing a team like Philadelphia, Brooklyn, or Milwaukee in the first round. You, you save it to the Eastern Conference semifinals to play one of those teams. And they're two games back of the, I think it's the Knicks. And then they're one game back of the Hawks, or it, it could be it could be switched to where it's it's two games behind the Hawks, one game behind the the Knicks. But anyway, um, I mean they have they do have an opportunity to to move up and, and secure, like I said, the four or five seed. Uh, but ideally, any spot you know um, that is in or not in the, the playing tournament would be ideal just so you're you're allowing those i mean those guys to rest like tatum brown uh kemba walker uh, marcus smart those guys to rest more and not have to play that unnecessary playing game avoid that that would be obviously preferred um even if it means having to face milwaukee in the first round and uh let's see what else but yeah like the the matchups against the heat are going to be very important uh, because if they lose both of those, then that's that's going to put them in jeopardy of not being in those top six seeds, which, like I said, it, it, it will probably be very important in um, the outcome and the longevity of their playoff run. And in the Western Conference, this is very intriguing and just because of the potential play and tournament matchups you could get because you have the Mavericks right now. And this is just based on, I believe the jazz are in first place in the West. So uh, the Mavericks are 10 games behind them. Then you had the Lakers 11 games back and the trailblazers also 11 games back and the Mavericks Lakers and trailblazers are currently five, six, seven in the Western conference standings. 
and the Lakers are beat up. I mean, Anthony Davis isn't fully healthy yet. LeBron James is a fully healthy. He's he's still um, in need of rest for for a couple of these games. He I think he was out the past two games he's played, or the two games the Lakers have played. So not the best sign right now. Um, obviously, you would think they would be ready for the playoffs. So yeah, they're just trying to rest up before then when the games really really count. So we could see the Lakers as the seventh seed and playing the Golden State Warriors in a playoff game to get the seventh seed in the playoffs. And if one of those teams loses, then it's literally a winner go home game for the eighth seed. So that's going to be ridiculous if that happens. And it would also be intriguing if the Trailblazers say that the, the Trailblazers say at the seventh seed, that's Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry in a single game sample for the seventh seed into the playoffs. Like that's that's going to be ridiculous. Just just the amount of points or um, shots that they're going to put up in that game is going to be ridiculous. And then you could also have Luka Doncic versus uh, Steph Curry in the Mavericks and, and Warriors matchup. Like imagine that one too. Like just, um, just yeah, it, it's insane what we could see. It, it, not even in the actual playoffs. This is just going to be in the play-in tournament. So. Uh, and then you also got John Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, and Greg Popovich, their coach. So just, I mean, the Western Conference uh, playing tournament and just playoffs in general will be one heck of a thing to watch. All right, that's what I got. And I will be back on Monday with more Spencer Speak Sports. See you then.